Hello and welcome to the PropTech Hot Seat on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we explore trends and technologies driving innovation across the built environment. This show is brought to you in partnership with PropTech Ireland, the hub for innovators, investors and indeed for industry leaders. Now, regular listeners will be familiar with um, our usual content that focuses on the technology that's helping the built environment drive towards net zero. And while we appreciate all of those technologies, innovation and how we do things and taking a fresh approach that sometimes isn't technology driven at all can be exceptionally important. And for that reason, I'm delighted to be joined by brothers Richard Mulcahy and David Mulcahy, co-founders of the 100 Million Trees Project. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Carol, for having us Thank on. Carol. Now, and I, you know, I should say that uh, Richard and and David are, are joining us. Richard, you're joining us kind of from the Wexford, uh, Wexford Wicklow border, and I know yes. David, you're uh, on the North North Kerry, uh, uh, Limerick kind of Askeaton uh, direction there. So I'm delighted that. We're going to be talking about what you're doing on the ground and you're while you're still physically on the ground. And I know, Richard, you were in the west of Ireland last week. So we are definitely here to talk about um, kind of a, a nationwide project. So, Richard, you might just explain to us 100 million trees. What is the project about? Exactly as it states, Carol, it's uh, I uh, I, I've been in business all my life, and the one thing I've found is the simpler the message, the more effective you can be, and that's exactly what it is. Our uh, our plan is to plant 100 million native uh, Irish trees over the next 10 years. Excellent. And where are you with that project? Where so, what stage are you at at the moment? So uh, we uh, we knew that it was slightly ambitious, and our our psychiatrist said, "Yes, uh, you're you are certainly taking on something here." So last year we decided we would first of all test, like any any concept, you have to test it out, see what the issues are. So we set ourselves a target to plant twenty thousand native trees in as many sites as possible um, uh, to get a feel for what the issues were. And uh, so we started off with actually with the great support of Wexford County Council. They gave us a couple of sites and we uh, went out, we got volunteers, uh, we talked to the tree companies and uh, we went out and we planted uh, a number of trees. And the most important thing is we videoed all of them and photographed them to get an understanding of what the issues were. And then from that, we then uh, honed our approach to this year. So this year, our target was to plant 200,000 trees. And uh, and from our learnings from last year, we, uh, we uh, didn't use as much volunteers because we realized to get the trees into the ground, we need professionals. So we uh, uh, signed up with forestry services, who are the biggest uh, forestry company in the country. And... They plant the trees for us, and we uh, honed our uh, sourcing of trees to two companies, Non So Hardy, which is an Irish company, and they they grow uh, their own trees, and Anave, which are a big nursery as well, who could provide trees uh, that uh, couldn't be grown here. It's, it's one of the things we learned actually that we're not growing very many trees in Ireland ourselves, you know, for planting. So uh, we, uh, having developed those, then we we set out to target to get uh, 100 sites this year, and uh, we're going to hit our 200 
Uh, we we planted our even though the it's been raining for the last five months, and uh, we built our Noah's Ark to move the trees around out of the sites because it's been so wet. But we planted our hundred thousand tree yesterday, and we have we will have uh, two hundred and one thousand trees planted by the middle of April. Uh, native trees. That's that's amazing. That was a huge milestone to hit. So that's a hundred a hundred thousand trees now in the ground. So that's making a nice chunk into your hundred million ambition. That's uh, really it's it's only a, again, Carl. It's only a learning process because to step it up, we planted twenty thousand last year. We planted a hundred thousand this year so far, and we plant two hundred thousand. And next year, our target is a million trees. So we're doing in steps to learn as we get bigger, what are the issues? Because the issues are always different when you're doing dealing with different volumes and questions. So, Of course. And I, I OK, I, I have so many questions coming from a farming background, uh, the conversations around land use. You know, I, I am sure that there would not be universal support, but coming from the real estate and construction industry where all of our drive is towards net zero and and um, it, it almost doesn't make sense the way we're doing it as in creating things that will be low carbon without actually properly using the resources that we have um, and maybe protecting what we have and looking at, at what used to work. So I, I want to explore all of that. But before we get into to that, where did the idea come from? Where did the belief that this could happen and should happen come from? Uh, well, it came first of all. We were we were brought up by a father who was always interested in trees. And uh, back in the seventies, he went and he bought some land in Blessington, uh, and uh, he thought it'd be a good idea to dump us down there for the summer and plant trees in a little mobile home. And uh, while he he was a cardiologist, he went off and did his work. But uh, he had this interest in trees, and he used to make us plant trees. And we weren't obviously very into that as kids and teenagers. But that love of trees developed and the idea came from David started off with a project called Bugs, Bees and Native Trees. And David, maybe you want to talk about that. Yeah, well, so um, the yeah, well, I set up a, a, a little group, Bugs, Bees and Native Trees, to plant trees around the country in schools and institutions, uh, literally signed the kind of contracts the week before COVID hit. But uh, we did a fair amount of work uh, during the pandemic and uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm. We were planting fully, you know, proper eight, seven, eight foot trees. And then uh, Richard um, quite rightly spotted this uh, Miyawaki method where you can plant intensively plant small areas. Uh, and we kind of shifted over to that once we got some funding. Richard organized some fantastic funding from Unifar uh, who are actually funding everything for us this year. Um, and last year, our trial planting season was funded by Des Walsh, who's a friend of ours, lives in America. So he was conscious of the amount of flying he was doing and was keen to give back to the environment. But uh, I think the, the attraction of the, um, the 100 million tree project is the way we do things. So what you do is you plant mini forests. So you take sites of a quarter of an acre. That keeps you below the regulatory um, line where you have to start getting permission or dealing with the uh, different regulatory, re regulatory authorities. And in that quarter of an acre, you plant uh, 2,500 native trees of 15 different types. 
Now, there's great, it seems to be evidence that trees of different types, native trees grown together, look after each other. Uh, and because they're grown so intensively, uh, they grow very tall and very fast. So while some people would be interested ultimately in the carbon uh, capture significance of it, uh, in a way, I was kind of more uh, concerned about the whole biodiversity thing, the, the loss of bees, the loss of birds, the loss of insects. Um, and I always kind of say to people, when was the last time you, you got out of your car to clean insects off the windows, uh, windscreen? It just doesn't happen anymore. There aren't any anymore. So, uh, so if you plant 100,000 uh, mini forests, it gives 100,000 areas of biodiversity. Because they're intensively planted, humans can't get into them which is uh, humans are probably the biggest danger to forests because there are lots of mini forests, forest fires, which, for instance, devastated uh, Canada during the summer, aren't an issue because we're planting planting uh, 100,000 or more uh, mini forests. So we don't have to worry about forest fires. And from the building perspective, in terms of, say, your, your, uh, the builders who are building these estates, one of the huge attractions is that instead of just having trees dotted around and lots of short green grass, often which is never used, mm -hmm. uh, you're introducing areas of biodiversity which very importantly for the mental health of the people around, offer everything from bird song to different colours to all the different blossoms and buds that you get on all the Irish cherries and rowans and uh, all the other beautiful Irish native trees. And it can all be done in a quarter of an acre. So um, there's a, David, one of the interesting I, things, sorry, Cara, just to, uh, on, on David talking there, uh, it, the... Uh, what they've discovered in um, in Holland, they've done a couple of tests on this, and they've discovered also by planting mini forests that the trees don't get damaged the same way they do in a traditional estate or a park. And and again, from a builder's point of view, when they're planting uh, estates, planting single trees, they tend to get a lot and get broken, and they put you know it costs a lot of money for the builders to put in mature trees. So this is another benefit for builders in putting mini forests because people can't get into them. Yeah, and actually, I, I wanted just to clarify that figure to, to make sure that I understood it right. When you're talking about these mini forests, you're talking about an area as small as a quarter of an acre. And you can get you can plant two and a half thousand trees, yeah, well, 15 different species. Yeah. So if you were if you were planting a if you were planting a quarter of an acre, say according to uh, quilter planning, uh, for say Sitka forests, you'd be planting just over a thousand trees in an acre. So what we do is we plant ten thousand trees in an acre, and because they're so tied together, they grow like mad to chase the light. So you'll have a kind of a, a you, Richard will be able to tell you more about the kind of carbon trapping, which is usually, I think, measured after about five to seven years. But in terms of the biodiversity effect, it's fantastic because humans can't get in because they're native tree. Only one of them is a con conifer, which is a Scots pine, which means that they have a proper undergrowth. I don't know if you've ever been into a Sitka forest, but the inside of a Sitka forest is just dead. Nothing grows on the ground. There's no there's no ground surface for anything to survive. So with these many forests, of course, they have uh, 14 different types of deciduous trees. So there'll be a perfect ground cover. Uh, and so the benefit would be to the birds, the bees, the, the small animals. And, uh, and that in terms of the mental health of the people who live near them, but also in terms of temperature control, in terms of, uh, you know, just uh, having retention. Water retention, bird song, mm. uh, you know, just the, the general health that the trees bring, uh, both to the mental and physical health of people, uh, clean, cleaner air, 
uh, improved, uh, you know, air quality, less, hopefully less uh, respiratory diseases. So there are a whole series of benefits. And, uh, and of course, from the carbon trapping point of view, Richard, you'd probably be able to comment more on that. So uh, if, um, you if you take sorry, two and a half... Sorry, sorry Richard. No, no, you're fine. Just before we move on to the carbon trapping, just because I'm conscious that uh, we do speak to a construction and development audience... Um, I had I had been approaching this thinking this was maybe something that was going to be happening in the rural area. But because the the space you need is so small, could you see this happening in uh, housing estates in large urban areas? Absolutely. It's the, the whole idea of this is planting trees is through through urban and uh, the, the countryside. And so we're doing a planting now in. Uh, Dean's Grange with John Leary Ratdown County Council on the 16th of March and that's in the park uh, Colkeen Park in Dean's Grange and we're planting 2,000 trees in a 0.2 of an acre so any any estate around Dublin or any, we've done a number of churches where they have grass uh, leading up to the church itself we've done uh, two churches uh, in uh, Wexford where we plant 2,000 trees and in tiny spaces so it's a huge benefit for an urban environment as well as uh, as a country so and so i i suppose I'm, and i do absolutely want to talk about um the carbon capture side of it but just uh, in terms of the sites and the logistics mm. um are these sites being transferred to you or do you have a, a right to plant like what's the ownership model here in terms of uh where does the ownership uh, of the site stay with the original owner Absolutely. We, we, we've we set this up to be as simple as possible, Carol. So one, one, we don't handle any money at all. We don't get involved in that side of things. A sponsor pays directly for the trees and the planters and any other work that has to be done. So the money goes directly from the company to the, uh, to the site. The site owners uh, can be individuals, they can be uh, county councils, they can be the GAA. We've done lots of different sites. And they own the site. We literally donate the trees and plant them for them. It's their property. We're relying on them that they want to put these trees in and leave them permanently for prosperity. And is there a maintenance involved, a skilled maintenance that would need to be considered? On no, an ongoing basis. Absolutely not. The beauty about this is, is that after year two, there's no stopping the trees. The trees are growing away. So the first two years are very simple. You just literally walk around the trees to walk the weeds down in the ground and that's it. But the trees grow so quickly that they're above the weeds after year two, way, way above the weeds after year two. So there's no maintenance. In public areas, we tend to recommend uh, to put a small fence in just uh, for the first two years. After year two, you can't get into it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, uh, so, um, I can see that this would really be something that would be attractive in a place-making context for anybody, uh, urban or, or in more rural settings, so any developers who are putting together schemes, because a lot of the green areas traditionally were very sterile you know lots of, you know and and that's not something that people appreciate now so we are moving a little bit more towards um embracing biodiversity but that can be difficult to manage and maintain what you're describing there seems like an ideal solution so i i, I want to just ask the question to get it out of the way because i think it'll be what people listening might be interested in you had mentioned there that your friend des walsh had uh, sponsored some of the early planting to offset maybe some of his 
the carbon attached to his travel, you know, which is is absolutely laudable. And then I think was it Unifar you mentioned had had uh, sponsored the planting this year. So Unifar are going. Uh, Unifar have committed to sponsoring the planting of two hundred thousand native trees this year. Amazing. Is, can you is, can you give uh, people an idea of cost the cost involved? Um, yeah, so, just so they know what to expect. So the cost of that is about three hundred thousand euro. So okay. it's we, as you can see, we are doing it at a very, very. We, we, we're we're pinning it to the cost right down because this isn't going to happen, Carol. If you, you know, like, there are organisations out there who plant a tree for you for you know for a family member or for somebody who's uh, you know a, a celebration, and they charge twenty euros a tree to do that. We, we we don't have time for stuff like that. We're we're out there. Uh, we're scale. getting the best best price from the forestry services people and the best price from the nurseries. We don't we don't charge a penny for anything of this. We want to do it because we really want to make a difference. So it's very okay. cheap, really, when you think about it. Two hundred thousand native trees in the ground, three hundred thousand euro. Well, let's talk about the quarter of an acre example. So uh, a developer um, who is planning their place at the moment, uh, planning the green areas and the amenities, uh, cognizant of retaining biodiversity. And I think um, David in particular was very compelling when you talk about birdsong and colour and all of those benefits yeah. to the people who, who would be there. But um, so just would you consider taking on a project, say if a developer has a quarter of an acre, wants to plant two and a half thousand trees, is that too small a project for you to get started on? No, no, that's uh, that's you know that is exactly what we need to do. Uh, I, 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 you made a very good point about how uh, sterile an awful lot of the kind of green spaces are, and funnily enough, it's I, it always reminds me of gardens. Uh, how little people actually use gardens. They look at them all right, but the the the, the estates. Uh, are full of these kind of flat grass. Number one, it has to be cut with diesel mowers and it has to be cut regularly. And of course, a lot of people cut it every five or seven days, which is ridiculous because you don't even get a chance for the native bee to, to use the grass to, to live in. But, but so you have a completely sterile area, as Richard says, with occasional trees, which are very beautiful and everything, but all much more likely to be damaged as well. So if you take a quarter of an acre, as Richard said, once the trees enter the land owned by the person who wants the trees, then they become theirs. Uh, their public liability looks after their trees are theirs. It's taken on good faith that they want to do it for the same reasons as we do to try and, uh, you know, improve biodiversity and improve our kind of battle against climate change. So once we do that, then they're their trees. If uh, if we can organize, say, for uh, for a company that wanted to do a multiple um, uh, multiple uh, mini forests, then we could organize that they may wish to pay for them themselves. They may wish to pay rather than some outside sponsor. They might prefer to be seen to be sponsoring the trees themselves. But um, so so we come in. Uh, if the trees were very near the houses, then we'd choose carefully in terms of we, we'd be using our Irish cherries, different two Irish cherries, our rowans, uh, our um, hawthorns, our birch. So you get lots of different colours and you get lots of little blossom. And then uh, more on the peripheries of the site, you can put in your more beautiful, bigger trees like your oak and your Scots pine, which in 100 years, of course, will have achieved some height. 
So, uh, so there's a choice of 15, 16, 17 that we usually use. Uh, uh, mix them together. You get a beautiful. You should get a beautiful array of color throughout the year. And again, it's kind of impenetrable. Um, and it's managed. You get a cup of tea twice a year, about five or 10 people. They walk through the forest over 15, uh, 15 minutes and they trample down the weeds, do that twice a year for a couple of years, and then the trees will look after themselves. Um, so, it's interesting. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. I was just oh, going sorry, to say, Carol, just Richard, to answer yeah. your question in relation to uh, the developers, we would be uh, we uh, we would ch typically expect the developer just to prepare the ground for us, uh, which they'd have diggers on site and literally to turn the ground so that the soil is reasonable. In other countries, when you're planting the Miyawaki approach, you have to do all sorts of things. You have to add fertilizers, and you have to put bark to control the weeds and all of this sort of thing. And also, a big problem in a lot of countries is is watering. It's one of the things we don't have to worry about here in Ireland. So the developers have to do very little. They just prepare the, just to turn the ground, just make sure there's about six inches of clay, and that's all they need to do. And we will come in, we will supply the trees and plant the trees for them, and we would charge €5,000 for a, such a planting uh, for, for 2,500 trees. So it's nothing for, uh, yeah. for and yet it has huge, huge benefits for the community. And not only that, but actually that's lower than the cost of the yearly maintenance of what's there at the moment. Um, Absolutely. So, so cost-wise, um, so I could see how that would be attractive, but the overall offering. You've mentioned um, this approach a couple of times. Is it Miyawaki? I've never heard of it. Can you Miyawaki. So it was a professor, Akira Miyawaki in Japan, came up with this concept in the 70s. Uh, he discovered uh, there are a lot of poor, a lot of poor lands in uh, in uh, in uh, Asia where they couldn't grow trees properly. And he discovered by planting trees very close together, the native they had to be native trees uh, that the stronger trees protect the weaker trees. So there was very little failure rate of trees, and the enzymes from the stronger trees were passed to the weaker trees. So they looked after each other. Unfortunately, unlike the way we live in our world, where we don't really look after each other, so uh, it's we should learn from the trees on this. And he discovered by planting these trees, it retained, it improved the soil, it retained water, it created huge areas of biodiversity, and it got rapid growth of trees compared to traditional planting forests. And, and also... Uh, also, of course, that uh, because the places he was looking to plant, like Tokyo and various other places, obviously Tokyo's a wealthy place, but uh, that there was very little free space to plant trees. So his idea was that he was planting, he was intensively planting the little spaces there were, which allowed this rapid growth and this kind of mini forest concept to occur within urban areas, which, of course, obviously has its everything from temperature cooling to, uh, you know, protection from the sun and clear, clearer air. So a lot of benefits for, for small spaces to be used as areas of biodiversity. You know, I, I, I'm always in the habit of trying to think of what the points of resistance would be. But yeah. as we go through it, I can see the small spaces, the huge boost to biodiversity locally. Uh, I can absolutely see the, the, the positive health and mental health benefits. And Richard, I particularly like uh, the analogy of actually the, this these mini forests thriving like a community, because I think you're absolutely right. Maybe there's something at a community level, we can learn from this. And it will be lovely to see communities embrace when you talk about doing a, um, 
this in in the entrance of a couple of churches, I would see mm. that being such an ideal site as it would be for for schools and for everything. So actually, in terms of points of resistance, when you think about the low cost, the fact that people aren't signing over their land, they're they are essentially the main points of resistance that people would normally have. I can see how this would be massively attractive for the industry that are looking to to get involved and support initiatives like this at the moment. Um, are there a few things? So I've mentioned, uh, David, you're you're in the car at the moment down in Askeaton looking at yes. sites. Uh, Richard, you were in the West of Ireland last week. How will people know if their sites are suitable for this? Well, well, I'm I'm down uh, here in. I'm going to. I've I've got a map from my sister Tina of six places to see in a circle and then back to Dublin. So we'll look at a lot of these sites, but uh, but there are uh, very good videos on the website showing how to prepare a site and uh, what size site will take how many trees. So if you have the site, the size of a basketball uh, court, you can plant uh, a thousand trees and two basketball courts, two thousand trees and a quarter of an acre, uh, two thousand five hundred trees. And and all of that is below the that that point at which you have to seek approval and that means getting involved with the department and and maybe to a certain extent delays and red tape uh, which mm-hmm. is understandable so we try and stay away from all that uh, the farmers for instance who we're dealing quite a bit with are dealing with the acres programs and various grant programs which are different and i hope we're working very much uh, symbiotically with them rather than against them so uh, uh, so it's it's um uh, David, uh, David, I don't know if you want to be associating your project with the likes of Acres and others, because actually I think that they maybe have a very different motivation and they they may in five years to seven years time result in land sterilization. So there's actually a lot of fear um, around uh, the Acres scheme. And I think actually, you know, your approach is probably the polar opposite to um the agro-forestry uh, approach I think, that Europe is taking. I, I think. I think what I meant was that what I meant was that the uh, the uh, what we're doing uh, wouldn't be seen to be. So, for instance, we did have uh, one. Uh, planting organized and then the person who was going to do it was advised by uh, a member of a department uh, not to go with our plan in case it might jeopardize their future grant opportunities for investing in biodiversity. So what we're trying to do do is to stay well clear of anything to do with regulation or government. And we're just simply saying, will you give us a quarter of an acre? We will give you the trees. We will plant the trees for you. Don't cut Mm. them down if you can. But of course, uh, once we hand them over, they're not our trees anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think you've touched on something really important, and that is around whether doing this would interfere with payments under acres and other similar schemes. And it shouldn't, because the concept of acres is that you're there to encourage biodiversity. But, um, but, you know, and again, I think this probably comes down to the Chagish advisor that you're talking to or or the advice that's been given. But um, I, I yeah. think maybe for the purposes of what we're doing today, it's probably a good idea to separate those entirely because I I, I believe that Acres has is problematic for people in rural areas. So yeah. actually, if their pure motivation is around encouraging biodiversity, I can see the 100 million trees project as being maybe uh, less onerous. And, yes, and, I, and, I think that. 
I think there's no doubt about that. And mm. in fact, the first farmer who we made a video with, um, a, a man called Donald O'Keefe, and he planted 4,200 uh, between two different sites on his large cereal farm. And he pointed out that uh, he, he had been battling to try to get his head around and um, what the entitlements were and whether the uh, land was of such and such a type. And so yeah. he was very glad because he had big combine harvesters, couldn't get into the corners of his fields. And those corners are about a quarter of an acre. Uh, so uh, he was delighted to uh, planted those trees and uh, one of them beside a badger set. He'll, he, they'll be beautiful in a couple of years time. Uh, he may not have got any grant money, but he got 4,200 free trees and planted. And he's very happy with that. And there was no regulation. He prepared the ground. We came down the next week, planted 4,200 trees in less than a day and cleared off. And that, That's and that, a really... That's a really interesting one, David, actually, because there will be, again, I was thinking of the smaller sites as we spoke about them. But of course, there are areas in the large site that our machinery can't access. Yes, that's exactly. And he, what he was saying was that the combine harvesters, particularly the bigger ones, can't get into the corners. So you're left with these corners, which tend to get a bit waterlogged. And so by planting mini forests in them, first of all, it dries out the land. It, secondly, it gives you a beautiful area of biodiversity. Third, it gives you wind breaks for your cereal land and everything. And the problem with this erosion from the wind of all the good land uh, is kind of is helped. So there are a whole series of benefits. Fourthly, again, that really important point, I think, about forest fires is that uh, it's going to become an increasingly uh, problematical thing around the world. And if we are if we are clever and streetwise and plant these hundreds of thousands of areas of native biodiversity, uh, I think it's almost like a win-win situation. It's very hard to find a fault in it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, through our work, we travel across the country and I can, I'm willing to say it here and now, Richard and David, count me as one of your supporters, because as we're traveling the country, we see space that could be used. But I'm really curious to see how this might work in a place making and place shaping where we're actually either trying to regenerate uh, particularly at the moment with our town centre first programme and we're trying to make town centres more attractive. We're trying to encourage new retailers. Um, and, and actually, particularly in a lot of our large market towns, there would be spaces where you, you could do this. So um, I, I think there's uh, I, I think it's a really interesting proposition. I know after our conversation today, I definitely will be looking when I'm traveling around, whether it's in an urban or rural setting, I will definitely be looking at space differently, knowing that there is the potential for two and a half thousand native trees on a quarter of an acre. It's definitely given me a fresh perspective and I hope it will do the same for others. And I'm definitely willing to to spread this message among the design teams uh, creating places because I think it is more in tune with what the next generation what they want to see, they don't want to see sterile lawns. They yeah. want, um, they want that bird song you've described. They want access to native trees. They want that color. So I think it's very compelling. So I suppose before we finish up today, and I am conscious of your time, and I'm very conscious that you both have, you know, a hundred thousand trees in the ground is huge. There's a hundred million that you want to get to. So I'm conscious that I can't delay you you anymore because you both have a lot of work to do. But what can the construction industry and the real estate and for those who have a genuine interest in in practical uh, helping you practically on the ground how can they how can they help you what are their next steps well we our target for next year is a million trees carol and uh, we uh, we would like one uh, 
ideally one organization to back that project for next year first. We need 1.3 million euro to do that. And for, uh, if we were to get that, to be able to say to a company, we will guarantee, David and myself, my sister Tina, there's a family thing here, we're organizing it all. You have our expertise making this happen. We will guarantee to plant a million trees for you. That will, in itself, will sequester 14,000 tonnes of carbon, planting one million trees per annum after year five. So there's a huge benefit. I mean, for example, if we were to convince the Irish government to use the Miyawaki approach, we all we would need is five uh, 500,000 acres of land in Ireland. Now, you know, you've traveled the road, you see all the empty fields. 500,000 acres would completely neutralize our carbon emissions for the whole of Ireland. That's 5 billion trees, 5 billion native trees planted in the Miwa. It's tiny. And yet Ireland could be the first person to actually say we've neutralized our carbon emissions. So we uh, we would have thought that it's a very strong message for one of your larger construction companies to say we'll back this next year and we can say we will have planted a million trees in one year. Um, you make it. You make a very compelling case, and I I do think it's very. It's it, it's not just uh, aligning with the agendas that um leading home builders have. Uh, you know they're they're not doing this in a tokenistic way. They absolutely mm. want to make a difference. They want to have mm. impact, and I think you're giving people a route to impact. So I'm I'm thank you so much. I genuinely appreciate you both joining me today from from opposite sides of the country. Um. And I myself, McConnell, despite the the background. So, but between us, I, even today, um, as we travel the roads, I think we could probably find the amount of land that you need to be able to hit that target. But I I hope that the industry gets behind you. Um, you make a very compelling case for it, and I'm genuinely delighted to have spoken to you both today. And I appreciate it. That was Richard and David Mulcahy, co-founders of the Hundred Million Trees Project. And um, my thanks, as always, to producer Katie Tallon and to the audio team at Hear Me Roar Media. Before we go, just a special word of thanks to our sponsor, PropTech Ireland for supporting the podcast and for making these conversations possible. And finally, thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the PropTech Hot Seat. Next time, we probably will be talking about technology. And uh, in the meantime, please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate and construction shows here on iPropertyRadio.com. 